1: Thanks for tuning into another episode of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host Lolita, also joined by Kyle. Now in continuation of our female guests for the first quarter of 2020 and celebrating successful women in the real estate industry, we have Alina Trigab joining us today. Alina, thanks so much for being here. How are you? Hi, Lolita. Thanks so much for having
2: me on your show.
1: I'm doing fantastic. Happy to Great. be here. Great. Good to hear. Well, I'm excited for today's interview, so let's get started. Alina is the founder of Samo Financial. Her passion is to spread the word about the benefits of passive investing and to empower people to build wealth for themselves and for their families. For the past few years, she has worked to help her investors participate in the offering of over 1,200 apartment units, a $10 million storage fund, and a $5 million mobile home park fund. Alina also offers investors education through articles and presentations, and she is a thought she is a thought-after speaker at various real estate events. So Alina, it sounds like we have an alignment of goals as Kyle and I are both passionate about helping our investors as well. So let's just go ahead and get started. And could you tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do?
2: Absolutely. And thanks for that introduction, Lolita. I appreciate that. Uh,
1: so my education
2: is, uh, originally was in accounting um, field and I worked as a tax accountant for a little while, never really liked the field and always wanted to get out. Um, Once I got out of accounting, I got into information technology and given my accounting uh, background and uh, education, I leveraged it to be more or less a liaison between business and technology Um, While working in technology field, I was still kind of concerned about um, my husband and I paying uh, pretty high taxes, including AMT, alternative minimum tax, and was always looking for ways to minimize those taxes. Um, So I thought of real estate, but haven't taken action until about six or so years ago, when I finally decided to dig in and do the research and that's when i came across the world of syndications and decided to take action myself started investing passively um as a limited partner and after doing it for, for a while in realizing the tremendous benefits of syndication from you know passive investing side the tax benefit plus uh, the overall um social component you know where you uh, come renovate the property, beautify the property and um, make a positive impact on the community. I wanted to bring um, all of that to the market. So that's how the idea of my own company, Semo Financial, came to life. And I decided to start the company with the sole purpose of helping other people diversify their portfolio out of um, Wall Street and diversified into the asset classes that are a little bit more recession resistant and uh, can, can offer the returns that are not dependent on um, Wall Street and economy overall. And so, while you know th- there are real estate cycles and you know the investments behave um, in a certain way, that these cycles. Um, are different and you know have to be researched on their own but it it does give um, a a diversification outside of wall street in general and and so that's what i've been doing um, in the last couple of years Uh, working with investors uh, bringing people into the field and really allowing folks that want to become investors but don't want to do it actively um, take the charge of their portfolio diversify and uh, build their wealth with a with well-balanced portfolio.
3: You know. So it, you mentioned so many different benefits of multifamily investing, there are taxes, you know, the social aspects certainly, scale. So how did you educate yourself on all these items before getting involved actively?
2: Sure, so um, I, I sort of got a, a shortcut on taxes uh, while studying in school and t- taking taxes and accounting. Um, for my undergraduate degree, uh, so that, that uh, obviously gave me a boost. And it, it actually helps me um, take my investors through that process and explain to them how that component works. Um, in terms of uh, multifamily as an asset class and real estate investing and syndications in general, that's been done through um, the uh, many, many, many books, many podcasts, uh, networking and uh, the self-paced course that that, uh, I purchased on on syndication just to understand how the process works. But um, a lot of it, I would say, comes from, you know, a ton of books that I read and uh, definitely recommend others reading. From David Lindell books on emerging markets to Steve Burgess on buying and selling apartments to, uh, oh my God, um, what's his name, Um, I think. Uh, Gallinelli on buying multifamily. I don't even remember the titles, but you know, some of the books were incredibly helpful and really, really um, going deep into the process of how the apartment complexes as an asset class uh, work.
3: How did you break into your first syndication deal?
2: Uh, so that was uh, after doing the research and really starting to network with people that I met virtually through bigger pockets and asking them questions uh, asking other investors um about the operators in the area and uh asking about investment and um narrowing down to an operator the market and then really the investment itself uh based on the criteria that i set for myself at that time but it was all virtual it was very very scary you know i have to admit you know um Giving someone else, uh, you know, a significant chunk of money to to invest in someone else without seeing them was scary. But you know, um, after doing the research and verifying that they're legit, it, it gave, gave me some level of confidence. And after I started doing it more or less on a regular basis, you know, after I done second, third, and fourth investment. Um, you know, at that time it became no brainer in terms of the process of evaluating the. Investment and deciding whether to invest or not, uh, given, of course, that you know I have the funds available.
3: You mentioned bigger pockets here, and it's actually a, it's something that we haven't talked a lot about on your on our podcast. Would you mind telling the listeners what bigger pockets is and how people can use it as a tool uh, to help them out?
2: Sure, absolutely. So I personally consider bigger pockets. Uh, to be the google of real estate um, if there are any questions that someone may have about real estate investing or any sort of aspects or even questions within you know the different real estate niches I would say uh, go in bigger pockets and research it. and even if you don't go on bigger pockets actually I've been noticing especially lately if you type your question in google uh, the First result, or one of the first few results that come up, is the results, the answers from biggerpockets.com.
3: Yep. I would say on BiggerPockets, though, it is a community of people and it's free to sign up. So you definitely have to take all the answers to the questions with a grain of salt, right? Because, you know, you have some people that are very experienced answering questions on there that, you know, should be and can be. And then you have other people who may not have as much experience. So definitely do your due diligence in there. But BiggerPockets is a great resource. So um, going back to breaking into your first syndication deal. So you mentioned how you did it passively. How about your first syndication deal as an active uh, sponsor?
2: So that again came through um, a very extensive uh, networking. I uh, when I decided that I, I wanted to become more active in the space, and after I uh, went through additional education of understanding the syndication process in general, I started networking extensively uh, with folks that I met either locally in my in tri-state area or virtually through bigger pockets and after you know networking i I was able to narrow down my search and identify several folks that wanted to partner up and uh, work together in a deal but you know just like in any business kyle you know it it doesn't matter whether it's real estate or something else um if you um it it always works that you know if if you want to move forward you, you gotta uh want to partner up with other people to ensure that uh, people that have complementary skills work together as a group and that allows you to move forward a lot faster than as opposed to when you're doing it alone. On your own.
3: How did you vet and choose a partner and you may have multiple partners, but I think that's one thing that is very tricky. You know, in syndication, you definitely want to get started you, and you need a partner to get going. But who you choose as your partner is a huge decision because you're going to be partners with that person for four or five, six, seven years. Right. And so that's really important. So how did you go about vetting and choosing your partner?
2: Sure. Uh, a lot of it comes with experience. It's more or less similar similar to wedding your life partner, if you will. Um, you, you need to take the time to get to know uh, the person that you potentially want to partner up. And start with the personal side. Um, are your interests aligned? Uh, are your long-term goals aligned? Uh, is your approach to life and approach to investing and business strategy aligned? Um, and once you have that side of the story covered, then start talking about investments overall. How how are you going to approach a buying a property um, and go through each and every aspect of investing, whether it's joint venture or syndication, uh, go through each and every aspect to ensure that you are aligned with your partner or partners on that strategy and if if there are certain things that you guys are not aligned that i would say it's not necessarily a red flag but it's an area to discuss further to see if you can come to an agreement that will be acceptable by all of the sides and if you can't come to the agreement then you know potentially you want to look someplace else for another partner but if you can come to a resolution that's more or less possible to all the parties, then, you know, um, call it a day and move on and cover all of the other aspects, whether it's financing, managing the property, inspecting it, uh, how long you're going to hold it. If you have passive investors, it's indication that what kind of returns the investors can expect, who is going to take which role. Um, and then once... It, it, while you're holding it you know a lot of things can happen personally so discuss that and make sure you put that in a contract if God forbid something happens to one of the general partners then who is going to take over um, or you know the partner becomes either ill or incapacitated who, what what's going to happen in that case so I would say cover um all the angles and obviously uh, a securities attorney can help you if it's a syndication or a regular real estate attorney can help you if it's a joint venture to cover those various angles. But I would say um, a number of discussions up front with your partner to see if there is full alignment um, is absolutely necessary before you go into a deal and before you marry that person, if you will, for those four to six years, as you mentioned of
3: yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's all it's more important than the deal or getting a deal done is making sure you're aligned with your partners because that misalignment could cost, you know, your passive investors down the line. So that's uh, great advice. Switching gears here. So, we've had other uh guests talk a little bit about their opinion about, you know, multifamily real estate syndications over the stock market and why it's a better investment. Can you give us your thoughts on that?
2: Absolutely. I don't consider one better than the other, um, but I do think that it's absolutely critical and essential for every single person to have a well balanced, well diversified portfolio. And that was my idea as well. Uh, my main concern prior to finding the, you know, the syndications and deciding on the real estate investing, my main concern was that all of our investments, whether it's 401k or IRAs, we're all in the stock market, stock bonds, mutual funds, but it's essentially the same. So they would follow the same trend. You know, if the index up, if they go up, the index down, it goes down. Uh, And the concern was always that it's unpredictable. If, for instance, um, Kyle, you and I um, like drinking Starbucks and start drinking it six times a day instead of once a day, um, do you think it's going to have any correlation on Starbucks stock? No. No, exactly. And that, that was my point. You know, me being the numbers person, I needed some sort of calculation. I need some sort of logic. And syndications and real estate investing gave me that because um, when it comes to investing in, in real estate, it's, it's a risk, but it's a calculated risk. You take the uh, existing income statement, existing financials, and based on that, you project into the future as to what you can potentially expect given the market conditions and given what a local area dictates in terms of, you know, rent increases and expense increases, uh, you project into the future as to what your expectations should be. And that, you know, to me, it gives me a peace of mind. Okay, I know that, you know, maybe everyone say in this area um, projects 10% increases, I'll make it five and I'll do same kind of um, cover up for expenses. Uh, I'll put a cushion into it, but I'll know that you know this is what I can expect, and that I can decide whether it's something that I want to invest in or not. With the stock market, um, it's uh, you know it's co- completely unpredictable, and that's the main reason why a lot of people are sticking to the index funds, just because it's easier and it keeps you in the middle, and it's a lot more conservative than. Selecting, um, you know, one stock over the other, and uh, that's why I, I, you know, I don't think that we should completely get out of Wall Street, but I think we should definitely have that balance. So have both sides, and it doesn't have to be just Wall Street and real estate. It could be oil, gold, and whatever other things people decide to invest. But diversification is absolute must, I think.
3: How much do you think? Uh an education in all those asset classes is in order to invest in them. Because, you know, we were talking to someone a couple of weeks ago and, you know, they have great diversification. And I was asking the same question. Do you need to be an expert in all those fields, oil and gas, gold, you know, maybe a certain asset class in real estate, single family homes, multifamily mobile home parks. And so it can get overwhelming very quickly for someone that just wants to invest and diversify their Uh, portfolio. Do you need to be an expert in all those fields in order to, you know, invest um, safely?
2: You do not need to be an expert. However, it's absolutely critical to understand how a specific um, asset class or investment operates. And what's more importantly, to understand the risks behind that investment and how the operator that um, you're going to be investing with is uh, going to mitigate those risks. So the risks have to be disclosed in an offering memorandum or verbally during the webinar or in some way or form. So uh, an investor coming into a deal um, need to know what kind of risks are expected and then uh, what are the ways that those risks will will be mitigated if they come into play. So
3: So kind of on the same subject, what is the best way to diversify and mitigate your risk?
2: uh diversifying uh, well when it comes to diversification uh, I think it's necessary to invest in various asset classes um, and, and that's what I do uh, in addition to multifamily I am invested in uh, storage mobile home parks and assisted living um, in terms of mitigating the risks again it's understanding what those risks are and how um, an operator offers to mitigate them for instance if uh, we're investing in the area that either a flood zone or close to flood zone let's say like houston you know that's prone to have flooding then i ask if the operator um, has the insurance the flood insurance and whether that flood insurance is sufficient. Let's say the insurance is not required because the asset is not in a flood zone. But the, does the operator decide that they still uh, will, will buy flood insurance um, as a backup plan in case another Sandy or something like that happens?
3: Okay. So, how do you go about custom tailoring your investment approach with each investor? It's something I read on your website that you focus on, and I think that's awesome. Uh, but how do you go about doing that?
2: Sure so i take the time to speak with each and every investor that comes my way uh, to understand what are their expectations uh what are they planning to do what are their long-term goals and while you know i i preach uh, to have a diversified portfolio some people still prefer to stick to a specific asset class, you know, whether it's multifamily or storage or something else. And other people uh, come to me because I offer that diversification and maybe because they already have too many investments in apartments and now they want to go into other assets. So they come to me uh, for that kind of help to get them into those other asset classes. And uh, another approach is... Uh, some investors uh, come in with a specific criteria. So if I know that their criteria is uh, to reach a, a specific quantitative goals, then you know if we're not reaching those goals, that I'm not even going to show them that specific investment because they know it's uh, outside of their reach.
3: Yeah, I love that because you know a lot of uh, inve- or in- active investors will just throw everything. In an investor's face, right? Whether if they've got a deal, they're going to see it, they're going to see this and, and hopefully they invest in it. And maybe it doesn't even fit what they're looking for, but they're still going to throw it their way. So I love how you custom tailor that. What do you see yourself in uh, five years in your company as well?
2: So uh, we plan on growing and uh, working with more partners. And in general, as a way to grow, we plan on offering education down the road. Uh, and that education could be to, it could be extended to passive investors. It can also be extended to people that want to be active in real estate space, but uh, definitely taking that route. And um, offering opportunities within other asset classes, uh, most likely um, in addition to real estate, other asset classes, uh, other assets outside of real estate in
3: general. Okay, great. Lolita's going to take us into our final five questions. Are you ready?
2: Awesome. Yes, I am. Thank you.
1: This episode of the podcast is brought to you by asset protection attorney Wayne Patton. We all spend a lot of time thinking about ways to make more money, but how much time have you spent thinking about legal strategies to protect your wealth? Whether you're a professional, an investor, or an entrepreneur, you are at risk of being targeted in a lawsuit. Wayne is an attorney who specializes only in asset protection strategies, like the use of offshore trusts. If you'd like to learn more about how you can protect your assets, visit mwpadden.com or assetprotection.law. Mention this podcast and Wayne will waive his customary $750 initial consultation fee. Again, the website is mwpaden.com or assetprotection.law or you can call Wayne at 877-727-1092. Call now and get protected today. All right, let's go. What advice would you give to women out there looking to get started in real estate investing?
2: Great question, Lolita. I think it's absolutely critical to start with educating yourself. Um, education allows you to take action a lot quicker. If you're educated, then uh, you know what you're doing and you will, uh, you will be
1: ready to take action and it will escalate your progress a lot faster. Absolutely. What is the one tool you use in real estate investing that you cannot do without? I would say it's a CRM. In my case, I use PipeDrive. I
2: think CRM, customer relationship management tool, is absolutely critical uh, to manage your audience, uh, whatever that audience is. In my case, it's investors. So I have my investors, uh, my partners, uh, vendors, people that I work with all in that CRM tool. And um, I refer to it not only daily, but you know, several times a day.
1: Perfect. Can you tell us a story about your biggest mistake in real estate investing, either as a passive or active, and the main takeaway for our listeners?
2: So yeah, at the beginning, when I started researching real estate, um, I was all over the place. And I know everyone talks about it, how you need to concentrate, but it was really difficult to concentrate because there was so many niches uh, that I learned about and I wanted to be in at the same time. So not concentrating on one thing at a time was a huge mistake. And I suffered, uh, you know, that syndrome for uh, several months until I Finally, was able to narrow down to one specific niche syndication, but mm-hmm. you know, it, it took a few months to figure that out and decide that I'm not going to be doing wholesaling and flipping right. and buying and holding duplexes and so forth all at the same time. Like, even though it all looks great and attractive, oh, and I want to do it, go to auction and do the notes. You know, I'll put that aside and I'll stick to syndication.
1: Yeah, what do they call that? The shiny ball syndrome. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, what is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? So, I, I've been big uh,
2: lately on personal development. Um, I read a lot of uh, great and awesome books on personal development, and I can recommend a ton. Um, I also attended Tony Robbins' event uh, mm-hmm. last year, which I, I think uh, made a huge impact on me. And, you know, I had no intention of going, but it happened so that a lot of my new friends real estate investors were going and I was just curious and I thought you know they're all going maybe I should just um, join them and, and see what it's about and you know after uh suffering in a room in a freezing room for 12 hours the first day I was like wow I'm so glad I, I made it in um and um, it made a huge impact on me. So even before that, I started reading personal development books. They helped me uh, develop. They s- help me have an abundance mindset, and they helped me look at things completely differently and see a glass half full with water and not half empty.
1: Yeah. I think uh, Kyle and I went to our first Tony Robbins event last year. I uh, was this it, year, year, earlier this year. Oh, yeah, earlier this year and it was mind blowing. It was amazing. So yeah, can't can't speak highly enough about that. Sure, so did
2: you guys walk on coal? We did.
1: Yes, we did. Oh. We walked on fire. What was that
2: in California though?
1: It was in LA, yes.
2: LA. Okay. So that's a little bit of an advantage. In my case, it was in October in New Jersey. The temperature was below freezing. So oh it, it was <laughs> interesting to say the least. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. And uh, finally, Alina, where can people find out more about you? Sure, they can
2: find me on my website, SamoFinancial.com, or through social media handles, which is LinkedIn, Facebook, BiggerPockets, or Instagram.
1: Awesome and very impressive, all the stuff you've accomplished thus far. So, thanks so much for the value you've added to our listeners today, and thanks so much for being on our show.
2: Thank you so much, Lolita and Kyle. I really appreciate you inviting me over and being on your
3: show. Thanks, Alina. Thank you, guys.
0: Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Passive Income through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast and to get access to today's show notes and to previous shows, visit limitless-estates.com. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to the podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in again next week for another episode.